You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Wired Magazine contributing editor Frank Rose goes on the record online. It's the way you present your face to the world. And um, um, what I, you know, look for and find uh, uh, appealing is something that's simple, clean, um, easy to navigate, um, easy to find out, um, you know, where you want to go and how to get there. Um, does not involve, uh, you know, sort of overuse of flash and other time-consuming elements uh, that that make me impatient, uh, you know, and um, uh, you know, just just clear and you know, crisp and direct. Wired magazine contributing editor Frank Rose about how he decides what to write about in the magazine, what he expects to find in your online newsroom, and whether or not the quest to write the great American novel may someday be replaced by the quest to write the next great Apple iPhone app. All that and more after this. Can you upload press releases and manage the media contact information in your online newsroom? Or are you still relying on someone else to do it for you? Are you able to upload high-resolution captioned images that reporters and bloggers can download and use in their coverage? Or do you need someone else to do that as well? And what about video? Can you easily upload video to your own branded online newsroom right inside your existing website? Or does that require IT support as well? According to Pew Internet, the web is the dominant channel for news and information. If you're a PR person and you're not equipped to communicate effectively online, iPressroom has a solution for you. With iPressroom, you get an easy-to-use online newsroom right inside your existing website. If you can point and click and drag and drop, iPressroom gives you everything you need to execute effective online PR campaigns. You can even use our press release search engine optimization wizard to increase the search rank of your organization's website. To find out more about our online newsroom management solution or for a free 60-day trial of our online newsroom SEO wizard, tweet me at Chris Bechtel which is B-E-C-H-T-E-L, or send email to info at ipressroom.com. Frank Rose, contributing editor at Wired Magazine and author of many different books, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So, uh, first question is, you know, you you write a number of these uh, feature stories for Wired Magazine, which I must say I, I, I enjoy very much. Uh, what makes a great magazine article? Well, I think it's uh, a couple of different things. Um, you know, first off, it certainly helps if there's a great narrative of some sort. Um, you know, that said, not all of uh, Wired's articles are narrative-driven by any means. Um, you know, many of them are, are, you know, driven more by an idea and by, um, you know, a, attempts of, of various people in various businesses to, to realize an idea. You know, that, of course, can become a, a form of narrative itself, but it's fundamentally different still from, uh, 
you know, the, the, the kind of yarn where, you know, people are in danger and you don't know what's going to happen next. Much of what you write about um, are events and companies that are in in the spotlight. Is that always what you gravitate to, pop, uh, um, uh, subjects of popular interest? Yes, generally. Um, you know, that's certainly, you know, what I've done for, you know, most of my career. Um, the uh, exact sorts of popular interests have changed quite a bit from time to time. You know, I've written about everything from the art world to the music scene to um, technology and uh, and media and entertainment, um, which is what I've been primarily focusing on for the last few years. Um, but, uh, no, I, 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 I like, you know, sort of trying to figure out what makes people tick and why organizations behave the way they do and, you know, why we have the culture we do. And obviously, based on your career and based on the fact that you've written a number of books, I imagine you're afforded a level of access that many aren't. But when you're researching um, subjects on the Internet, walk us through that process. I mean, are you using search engines? Are you visiting company websites? And, and how has the Internet changed the way you do your job from the days when you started at the Rolling Stone? Right, yeah, uh, quite a bit. It's it's really hard to imagine now, um, you know, doing research before the internet. But I remember, um, you know, back in the, you know, as recently as the, as the mid '90s, when obviously the internet was around, but it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, nearly as comprehensive a resource as it is now. I um, wanted to uh, start writing for Travel and Leisure magazine and. I ended up, you know, going to the New York Public Library. They have a, you know, a special reading room where you can, uh, you know, request um, uh, years and years of, you know, many hundreds of different magazines. Um, you know, without that resource, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, what I would have done before the Internet. You know, similarly, when I did a, a, a book about the William Morris Agency in the late 90s, um, what's Freely online now and searchable, and, and you know at Variety.com and you know other uh, trade publication sites like that. Uh, you know, instead required uh, you know driving out to USC and South Central LA and uh, and spending hour after hour you know feeding uh, 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 you know microfilm uh, through a machine, which is a pretty awful process. Um, let's say, for example, you're writing a story and, uh, you know, you're going to make mention of a company. Um, would you say, I mean, do you always go to that company's website and check them out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, and if it's a public company, uh, you know, certainly if they're a major player in the story, I would, you know, go to uh, Edgar Online and check their, you know, their filings, their annual reports. Um, and, uh uh, Google them, of course, and um, you know also uh, do a search on, uh, on on Nexus for uh, you know major newspaper, magazine articles, that sort of thing. When you go to a company's website, what do you expect to find there? Um, I expect to find uh, first off a list of and a list and, and bios of the uh, major executives and the you know members of the board and and, and so forth. Um, you know, a a uh, a good 
um, cross-section or, or representation of their clients, um, you know, depending obviously on what kind of company it is, their product line, uh, you know, that sort of thing, and um, some way to contact them that doesn't involve just um, a, uh, a, a, a form that uh, allows you to, you know, type in your question and send it in blindly to, to you know, who knows who. Um, you know, I, I get very frustrated when I uh, go to corporate websites that um, don't even give a give a mailing address or, or, or even a city. I mean, I, I think that's I think that's a little absurd. So, uh, if you if the if the way to contact uh, someone is a form, do you fill it out? Um, if I can't find any other way, but I'll usually spend. Um, you know, an inordinate amount of time trying to find another way. You know, like, for example, um, you know, Googling uh, uh, and getting press releases, and usually, you know, although certainly not always, there'll be a name uh, and some contact information at the bottom of the press releases, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I firmly believe that, uh, you know, this is like human communication, and there should always, uh, you know, be the idea that there's a human at the other end of the, uh, you know, uh, who's who's the recipient of this. So, um, you know, sending in something uh, that's completely blind is is uh, not something I enjoy doing, and I'll avoid it if at all possible. If um, if the company was embroiled in some sort of a public controversy or scandal, uh, would you expect them to acknowledge it on their own website? Yes, um, uh, you know, depending on what it is and how big it is. But, uh, yes, I mean, I, I think, you know, we live in an age where um, uh, conversations are very much in the open. And, um, you know, I think it's up to a company to uh, engage its, um, you know, its, its critics, its supporters, you know, the, the public, the press, the, the media, um, in you know, in in whatever way it can, um, that does not involve uh, you know sort of simply dissembling. Um, you know, there's certainly cases where you know there's not really much a company can say, and uh, I don't know. Maybe in that case, it's better not to say anything. But uh, actually, I don't think so. So I interviewed a couple years back Jacob Nielsen, who's the, uh, the the usability analyst, web usability analyst, who gets mm. quoted quite a bit in mainstream media. And um, he said that he believes that ease of use on a website directly impacts reputation because if you have a bad user experience, uh, that's also a negative brand perception. Um, do you mm-hmm. agree? And I mean, if you go to a website and it's clunky, does that impact your perception of a company that you might be writing about? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, it's 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 the way you present your face to the world. And um, um, what I, you know, look for and find uh, uh, appealing is something that's simple, clean, um, easy to navigate. Um, easy to find out, um, you know, where you want to go and how to get there. Um, does not involve, uh, you know, sort of overuse of flash and other time-consuming elements uh, that, that make me impatient, uh, you know. And, um, uh, you know, just just clear and, you know, crisp and direct. Um, you know, that said, I think there's also a lot to be said for the fact that you can overthink navigation on a website because, uh, you know, 
increasingly people come not to the you know not not to the uh, main you know portal of your of your site, but uh, you know they're led by search engines to you know whatever page it is they're looking for. So you know I think that has to be kept in mind too. You 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 can't really predict. You know it's a completely nonlinear medium. Medium you can't really predict how you know how people are are going to get where they're going. David Carr, who writes uh, the media equation for the New York Times and who I interviewed once for this podcast as well, wrote uh, I think May of last year. This is a quote. Um, and it was a, it was an article about uh, Steve Jobs trying to secure motion pictures to distribute on iTunes, mm-hmm. and the quote is: "Content's claim to the crown is being challenged by the interface that controls the user experience." And he was essentially arguing that um, you know Apple, which doesn't own any intellectual property other than its software, was able to successfully corner the record industry not by owning a library of music, but by making it really easy to get music. Do you think that uh, you know the future of uh, the media business or entertainment is the interface, or is content still king? Um, I think that. Um that argument is kind of a non-starter. I think it requires both. I don't think you're going to have one without the other. And, um, uh, you know, arguing whether the content is more important than, uh, you know, whatever delivery mechanism, you know, whether it's uh, iTunes or uh, cable systems or satellite systems or whatever, is, um, you know, it's, it's not really going to get you anywhere. And um, furthermore, I think the the um, iTunes so much leverage the music business because the uh, music business so slow uh, uh, is even really the word um, embrace uh, digital music, and they really had to be uh, dragged and screaming in in the first place. Um, you know if. And, um, sort of encourage the the um, uh, availability of a number of different uh, 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 you know apps um, in a sensible manner. Um, that is to say, not like uh, something like Sony Connect, which was a uh, you know corporate uh, you know Sony Music Group attempt to uh, you know establish a website that people could uh, digital music that was uh, you know. Terrific experience. So, um, you know, for years, uh, you know, the allure of writing the great American novel was, uh, you know, one that chased the hearts and minds of so many uh, around the world. And that seemed to me, at least for my generation, to be replaced by the allure of writing the great spec screenplay. Mm-hmm. And, right. and I wonder now, do you think that, um, you know, that uh, those seeking fame and fortune are are going to be you know right trying to write the great uh, the, the great iPhone app moving forward? <laughs> I'm sure the iPhone is quite a big enough canvas. Um, although I said there's a great apps and you know many would have been uh, uh, proud have created myself if I were in that line of business. Um, but uh, you know no I I think I think there are uh, you know people who are you know, looking and in some cases uh, succeed, uh, you know, in a video game, for example. Um, you know, I think that, uh, and, and I noticed um, 
an incredible people who you know don't want to or don't have the to be video game players, but who want to write about them. Um, so I think that's uh, I think that's sort of telling for our time frame. So um, you know we saw Napster come out, and then and then after that, iTunes comes out and um, uh, paid replaces free successfully. Um, do you think there's any way for newspapers to figure out a way to charge for news? I'm not sure. Um, I think ideally there would be, and I think um, that if they were to um, you know, work with things like Google, uh, they could probably find to do it. I don't think the way to is, um, you know, not the way AP is doing now, which is trying to create some sort of replacement Google. Uh, you know, one of the one of the lessons of the internet is that you can't change people's behavior. You will them to uh, you know have some kind of behavior that you want them to. Uh, it's totally absurd. And um, you know, at a time when Google has, if I'm not mistaken, um, more than eighty percent of the uh, online searches um, in the U.S. Um, to uh, you know, rep- with something else is uh, is just you know mind-boggling. Um, there's sort of the issue that um, you know papers, if they um, you know or significantly curtail uh, hard co- uh, I mean hard copy uh, publication, would save immense amount of money. And, um, uh, you know, there's certainly uh, you know, something to do for making, you know, quality uh, reporting available online um, in a way that uh, is free, but I think they will, you know, probably uh, end up saving more money than they would, uh, uh, certainly far more than, than otherwise. Um, but... Um, I, I think of the the newspaper is a to um, the internet in particular and readers in general have been extremely added over the last twelve uh, years ago, beginning with um insist uh you know, far back as um as the late eighties, early nineties in uh cutting the amount of news co- uh covered in order to maintain digit profit short uh, um, policy uh, has, you know, increasingly given rise to the idea that, you know, like, who needs newspapers? Obviously, the handful of newspapers, you know, that operate on a national and an international scale, but, um, you know, daily paper uh, in this do uh, a poor job of serving their community, if you certainly matter than they did with starting that. Um, Frank, you um, uh, have spent a good deal of your career um, writing about Apple. Uh, your, your book, West of Eden, ha- is being reprinted now. Um, two years later, uh, it, it appears as though the iPhone still really has no challenger. Um, what does Apple have that everyone else I- in that industry lacks? <laughs> That's uh, that's a great question. Um, I think first off, um, Apple has a uh, an incredibly um, passionate uh, uh, individual in charge in the form of Steve Jobs, who is uh, 
um, you know, quite brilliant, uh, you know, I have to say, in his, um, in his insistence on, on uh, elegance of design, um, you know, not just for its own sake, but uh, uh, um, in order to make things, you know, really simple and more or less intuitive to use. Um, and, um, and, and that becomes a, you know, marketing tool in its own right. I mean, um, among marketers now, there's a, sort of an increasing uh, uh, emphasis on, on the idea that, um, uh, you know, products are their own, you know, a, a really well-designed, you know, well-thought-out product is its own best marketing tool. And, um, I, you know, I think, I think Apple has... Uh, has certainly uh, proven that. You know, that said, I think they, uh, their more conventional marketing has been uh, pretty terrific as well. Final question. Um, we're talking to Frank Rose. He's a contributing editor at Wired Magazine and an author of, of many books. Um, y- your first n- book was about artificial intelligence, and I can remember, uh, you know, the, in the days in the in the in the early mid '80s reading in Red Herring magazine about um, artificial intelligence and being so excited about the prospects. Um, are we any closer to that? I mean, are, are we approaching an era where you will not be able to tell the difference between a computer and a person on the other end of, uh, of the Twitter account? <laughs> Perhaps on the other end of the Twitter account, but I, I suspect if... Uh... I, I suspect if we're going into a longer form uh, conversation, it, uh, it it might be a little more difficult to pull that off. Um, uh, you know, yes and no. I mean, what what was uh, uh, interesting to me in retrospect about the approach that I wrote about in the early '80s um, in a, a book that was called "Into the Heart of the Mind," which was about a group of computer scientists at Berkeley who were trying to give a computer common sense. Um, you know, in in essence, uh, writing a program that uh, uh, the computer thought it was uh, waking up in the morning and looked outside and it was raining, and the whole book was about whether these guys could get their computer to put on a raincoat or not. Um, you know that that approach, it turns out, that approach to AI, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of getting the little tiny bits of knowledge and stuffing them into the computer in some way or another um, has, I think, pretty well been discredited. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there are certainly other, uh, you know, much more uh, sophisticated approaches that have come along. Um, you know, the, I mean, it's just not to, 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 to criticize the Berkeley people. It's, uh, any endeavor like this is, uh, you know, inevitably uh, a huge amount of trial and failure. But um, uh, you know, I, I think that I, I think that certainly a great deal of progress has been made. Not a great deal of of, of tangible progress in terms of you know uh, uh, stuff that we see. But uh, you know, if I if I you know listen to people like Ray Kurzweil and so forth, uh, you know, certainly uh, um, there's a there's there's a lot going on that uh, is perhaps you know still bubbling under the surface. Frank Rose, contributing editor at Wired Magazine and author of the book West of Eden, The End of Innocence at Apple Computer. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. 
You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. 